0: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, Weekdays, 1230 to 3,
1: 770 CHQR. Okay, moving on. I wanted to get into this issue. Uh, story earlier this week where RCMP and Airdrie uh, were, were trying to kind of put the toothpaste back in the tube after words started to spread on social media that there had been all these uh, attempted child abductions. The RCMP, we're, we're trying to, to get the word out that, no, there hasn't been, and, and that all of this stuff is false. But it shows the challenges of, of dealing with social media and how quickly things can spread, rumors and allegations, how difficult it is for police to get a handle on things. It also raises questions, too, about how police are and how police should be making use of social media. Well, someone has written about this, Christopher Schneider, joins us. He's a professor of sociology at Brandon University, author of Policing and Social Media, Social Control in an Era of New Media. Christopher, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, certainly, I mean, you know, the, the onset of social media, I mean, it creates all kinds of challenges for police, both in terms of how they use it and how they respond to how, how other people are using it.
0: Yes, it does. And uh, it could be good insofar as that There's a lot of information for police to have for ongoing investigations uh, in terms of using that for criminal investigation. But simultaneously, part of the problem there, of course, is sometimes there's just too much information or misinformation or disinformation. And that's what we're seeing right now with some of the issues going on right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly this highlights that where, you know, somebody thinks they see or see something or hears about something. It's pretty easy for people to to put second-hand information on social media. That sounds compelling. Uh, more people share it and spread it, and it just it, it takes off from there. Does that happen a lot?
0: I think it does happen a lot, and uh, primarily we can look at it for a couple of different reasons. First and foremost, a lot of the people who are seeing things are not trained police officers, they're not trained, you know, legal people, Crown Counsel, judges, and sometimes they think when they're seeing something is criminal, it might not be criminal, and they might be putting this online, and it it quickly sort of uh, goes viral after that, some circumstances. And other times I think that, uh, you know, the cultural space, as it were, is quite crowded, and uh, when people post on things, sites like Facebook, they want to get likes from their friends or other people, or shares. And, uh, you know, it's not enough anymore just to take the selfie um, picture in the bathroom in front of the mirror to do that. You know, if you can take it up a notch by coming up with new information or something that's exciting or sexy, uh, crime fulfills those sort of categories, people might pay more attention to it, might like it, might share it more and I think that uh, this could in part explain another reason why people might share information that doesn't have any evidence to support it.
1: Yeah, you know, There, there was a, a case recently in NBC that we, we talked about where uh, was in a, I think it was in a fast food restaurant and there was a man who was holding his phone up close to his face because he didn't have his reading glasses uh, and two teenage girls thought that he was taking pictures of them uh and right away they they went to social media they had taken pictures of him and they said watch out for this guy he's taking pictures of young girls and i think sometimes people mean well they want to share that information that well okay we got to watch out for this guy but the guy was totally innocent and it's it's really hard to to undo that kind of stuff what what can police even do at that point
0: Well, the thing is police can't do a whole lot. And what we've seen in a variety of circumstances is that police will instruct the public. And I think for good reason that if you think, you know, for instance, in this example, if you think this guy is taking pictures of you, uh, you know, these young girls, that the girls should then directly contact police. And then police can follow up if they could come to the coffee house or wherever this person is. And, of course, the police would very quickly find out, Okay, uh, this guy's not having his reading glasses on. He's looking at his phone. Case closed. Uh, And it stops there. And and that's good Uh, when it goes online. The police can't control it. Uh, the, the, the girls in this circumstance, while their intentions are good, and they quickly learn later that perhaps he, was, he didn't have his reading glasses on, they can't control They might feel bad for that, and it quickly takes off. And then we see different groups like you know, creep catchers and some of these other organizations that while their intentions are good, and we can sometimes a- applaud the intention, uh, what a lot of these circumstances do is they skirt around due process. And that's one of the bedrocks of the criminal justice system in Canada. I think a lot of Canadians hold that near and dear in that if somebody is accused of something, we should make sure that we get it right if we're looking at possibly depriving that person of their liberty by sending them to jail. And uh, we can quickly go to social media and put all these materials up there. And we know, of course, that Google never forgets and social media is life lasting. And we're seeing, unfortunately people's lives being ruined by being falsely accused of being a pedophile or some of these other sort of insidious crimes when it, it, they're innocent. Uh, and that's a problem when these individuals go and they want to get jobs or other sorts of things just because their name's associated with something like pedophilia, and, it, and it's false in some of these circumstances.
1: Right. And, and, I mean, there there is this sort of vigilante culture that exists, and I, I do wonder, not only are you creating additional headaches for law enforcement, but I wonder at times if we have legitimate criminals out there, if this kind of action can jeopardize Prosecutions does, does it create those kinds of problems too I, th-
0: I think it can and, you know and, and indeed there are legitimate uh, criminals and it's very easy for all of us to get on board with this. Nobody wants pedophiles and we want to eradicate pedophiles. This makes sense um, part of the problem though, if there is actually a legitimate pedophile online and somebody finds out who they are, if civilians out this person online, that can drive that person into the underground. Or perhaps they could even leave the country and go somewhere else to flee from being apprehended from police, and then they're not caught, and they continue engaging in these crimes. While the intentions are good. It can push the people away. And second, with some of these groups like Creep Catchers and other vigilante groups, all the intentions are good. If they approach somebody on the street who actually turns out to be a criminal or a pedophile and they're looking at doing hard time, they're going to not want to be apprehended, of course. And you can actually uh, become susceptible to harm yourself trying to apprehend that person by them maybe attacking you. And it's just a matter of time, I think, until somebody gets killed. And we need to look no further than police interacting with suspects. We've seen videos of armed police officers with handguns and people resisting arrest uh, with armed officers. So I think it stands to reason that we're going to see this happen with some of these groups uh, who are not armed, and there's going to be, again, someone's going to get hurt, and we don't want that either.
1: Yeah. I mean, the other side of things in terms of policing this this realm, I mean, certainly police are now much more active on social media with a presence on, on Facebook and, and Twitter. Uh, there, there can be evidence gathered from from social media, obviously, people boasting of crimes or even different photos or videos taken of, of some kind of an incident. So how do police view social media on, on, on that side of things as, as a realm to investigate or from which to glean evidence?
0: Well, I think that uh, we can look no further than the 2011 riots in Vancouver. And what police were instructing the civilians then, uh, civilians again sent police, the Vancouver Police Department, 30 terabytes of data in three hours. The VPD server crashed. They didn't expect that. Um, they wanted the information sent directly to them so they can investigate and not Put on the internet and a lot of people of course put it online the problem with this is that it breaks the the chain of command the custody and once i upload an image online and i say okay this person is setting the bay on fire and, and burning cop cars and stealing um now if, if police gather that they have to then prove in a court courtroom uh, with the crown that uh, this has not been this image has not been doctored or manipulated or tainted in any way and it's hard to do that when it's yeah. been circulating online whereas if i take it on my phone the police said Come to us, keep it on your phone, give it to us, and the police can can bring me into court and say, this guy took this picture, he brought his phone here, it's not been online, and it's easier to make a case in the courtroom uh, for a solid argument and and putting somebody away. You know, another problem, of course, is that there are people who boast about crimes, that it's just not true. And the listeners might remember Brock Anton. Uh, He was very infamous in the 2011 riots for boasting online about assaulting police officers, burning police cars, and he made it all up. And how we know that? The Vancouver Police Department told us that he made it all up because they investigated him. But, uh, you know, that guy's his life is ruined and he didn't do anything. So he never went to jail. So that's another problem for police as well.
1: Yeah, there's also the question, too, of, I mean, you know, police themselves are often at the center of a lot of this because uh, it's pretty easy to for people to pull out their camera, take some pictures or some video when they see police uh, making a arrest or even something that looks more controversial, a, a scuffle with a suspect, perhaps even an excessive use of force. And, and we've seen all of this and we've had controversies where police are demanding that people hand over their phones, hand over this, this information when maybe they're not supposed to be making such demands. What kind of a challenge does that pose?
0: it's it's challenging for police officers first and foremost because in in a lot of circumstances they're not allowed to make those demands and I think it's also challenging because in other circumstances where use of force is a tricky thing that Mm -hmm. the Canadian public we we allow the police of course to use force Uh, there, there are very specific circumstances and the amount of force that's used is only supposed to be relative to you know apprehending that person up to and including in rare circumstances deadly force all of that said Um, Traditionally, up until very recently, the interpretation of the use of force was largely left up to the responding officer and police brass, and sometimes organizations that would investigate the deadly use of force, uh, the Special Investigations Unit, for example, in Ontario. Uh, Now that we have the videos being circulated online, oftentimes these videos that civilians are taking start at the confrontation between the officer and the person they're using force, and you don't see all of that that's building up to that circumstance. It's removed from the context and in, that, in those circumstances, it makes the police officers look bad. And I think in part this explains why we're starting to see more and more officers, including in Alberta, being outfitted with body cameras so that police then could come back and say, well, here's the entire circumstance. We reviewed all the footage. It's not what it is. it looks like. So, for instance, if, if I go and I punch a police officer in the face, uh, the police officer is going to respond in kind with force, and then somebody flips on their camera phone, it looks like the police officer is beating me up. Or as I struck them first, and you missed that part, the body cam, of course, would show that happened and absolve a police officer of any wrongdoing.
1: You know, it's interesting. because It's been about a decade now since, you know, the onset of the iPhone and Facebook and, and Twitter, but it seems as though this is still, we're still evolving and adjusting to this new reality. And, and even the technology, these, these social media sites, they're continuing to change and evolve too.
0: Yes, absolutely. And part of that is the It's the speed of technology. I mean, when the iPhones first came out about a decade ago, they were relatively clunky, um, you know, sharing video and texting. It didn't work uh, as quickly as it did. Facebook was, I mean, Facebook has 2 billion users now. It wasn't as popular in terms of users. And the speed at which information now circulates And the law and policies, they often don't keep up with that. So technology far outpaces policies and and legal developments. And that's, that's really problematic, I think, with the criminal justice apparatus and the need for due process due process, it's slow. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's why police do investigations. That's why you go to courtroom and you you face the allegations and evidence is presented. Again, we need to make sure that we're getting it right. And that makes total sense. Uh, However, the speed of media and depending, I mean, it's not even accurate a lot of times, has sort of trumped a lot of that. And I think the Canadian expectations of the expediency of justice don't meet the actual expediency of justice because everyone, because of the sort of the media exacerbates our everyday expectations of we want everything immediately with yeah. smartphones and those sorts of things.
1: Yeah, well, these are certainly important issues. Again, the book is called Policing and Social Media, Social Control in an Era of New Media. Uh, Christopher Schneider, thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this.
0: Hey, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: That's uh, Christopher Schneider. He's a professor of sociology at Brandon University. Our number here, nine seven four eight two five five. That's 974-TALK. Uh, the Friday free-for-all comes your way after 3 o'clock. we got a few other things to get to uh, before then. We're back right after this.
0: Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at
1: 1230 on News
0: Talk 770 Calgary.